Unfiltered, which is hopefully your favorite craft beer podcast. If it's not, it sure should be. I am your co-host, Dr. Samuel J. In a moment, I'm going to be joined by my usual co-host, Jay Schrader. This week we went over, we talked to Jerry Sayote. Jerry is one of the co-owners of Lone Tree Brewing Company in Lone Tree, Colorado. If you haven't seen Lone Tree Brewing Company on shelves or in bars, I would kind of be shocked, especially if you're out here in the Front Range. They are one of the larger craft breweries in Denver, uh, and they distribute quite a long ways. Anyhow, uh, Jerry was a great guy, very, very interesting dude, very, very smart gentleman. Uh, We talked about what they've done in the tap room in the midst of COVID-19, pre-shutdown, shutdown, and now opening back up. Also, what are they expecting for the coming weeks and the coming months? We got into their business plans a little bit without giving too many secrets away and what they're planning to do as we move out of 2020 and into 21. Really, really great conversation with a, a great a great guy. We got the full tour. We, uh, we learned a lot, and we will definitely be back to talk to Jerry because it was great to finally get him on the show, and he did not disappoint. So with that said... If you like the show, please leave us a review and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. All the information you need to find us is at unfilteredcraft.com. All right, I'll stop talking and now present to you Jerry Sayoni of Lone Tree Brewing Company. This episode is brought to you by Elon Naturals. Handcrafted in Boulder, Colorado, Elon's all-natural products are made with CBD extracted from Colorado-certified hemp. Ryan and Alec Nyberg, good friends of ours, founders and co-owners of Elon, as well as big supporters of craft beer, including being supporters of the Sip Beer Fest we did earlier this year, use no toxins, no chemicals, and only certified organic ingredients in everything that they make. Whether you're looking for bath bombs, foot soaks, lip balms, paint sticks, or tinctures, Elon has you covered. And they make pet products, too. Find Elon Naturals on Instagram and Facebook, and place your order now at elonnaturals.com. When you do, plug in the promo code UNFILTERED20 at checkout for 20% off your order. Again, that's UNFILTERED20. Plug it in at checkout at elonnaturals.com for 20% off your order. This episode is also brought to you by Rooftech Precision Exteriors. Founded by a fourth-generation roofing expert and two veteran general contractors, Rooftech combines unmatched residential and commercial roofing knowledge with project management excellence, which means that your next roofing project will not only be handled by those that know what they're doing, but know how to complete your project without wasting your time. Find Rooftech on Instagram and Facebook and learn more at rooftechco.com. That's R-O-O-F-T-E-C-C-O.com. And when you schedule your roof replacement project, mention Unfiltered and receive a free upgrade to impact-resistant Class 4 shingles. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds like it's a hell of a deal. Again, that's rooftechco.com. Restaurants were already opening and operating in Lone Tree and in Tri-County prior to this variance, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, I believe so. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of, and it's all been done by counties, basically. And I don't know what the status of Tri-County Health is with Douglas County. I think there was a split recently. Yeah. Um, which is, I don't, I don't know. But we were kind of left to just interpret it as we interpreted it. Um, we were mandating everyone wear a mask when they come in. That's that's just our our rule. If you don't have a mask, you can't come in. Uh, we were checking temperatures, forehead temperatures, oh, wow. and um, we uh, 
so we opened that Saturday. I can't remember what the exact date was, but everyone seemed to be very cooperative. You know, um, we got a couple nasty Facebook uh, comments or uh, whatever they post. How you okay with me recording this? Because this is kind of usually what we do. We yeah, that's fine. Okay. That's cool. Whatever so you guys want. We slow okay. roll into it. We slow roll into it. No, but this is, I don't, this is gold, so I don't want to miss it. Okay, so what day did you open again? Oh, geez. Have he to just said he doesn't I know. know. I know, but I was, I'm trying to, okay, sorry, continue. It's mid-June, sorry, early, early June. Early June, somewhere around there. Um, but we did as much as we could with as much information as we had at the time to do it safely. And we did get some flack, you know, on social media for checking temperatures, which was not a requirement. But we, you know, we have an obligation to keep everybody safe here, not just, you know, our customers, but our employees, all of us. And um, so it was, it's for everybody's benefit. Why'd you decide to do the, the, the fever checks, temperature yeah. checks? It was just, uh, we, we've been doing it since, uh, since the outbreak, basically. We... We check all of our employees' temperatures every morning. We answer a questionnaire. You know, if you've been around someone exhibiting symptoms, um, do you yourself have symptoms, you know? Uh, and then we log that every day, and it's a requirement for all our employees. Um, so we just felt like it was an added layer of safety for anyone that wants to come in and keep everybody else safe. So, like I said, we, we, we don't do it anymore. Uh, it was a decision that we made based on talking to other businesses in the area, other breweries. Um, but we still, you know, masks are mandatory now as of last Friday statewide. So, uh, yeah, people had different reactions to it. I would say nine out of 10 people were very uh, appreciative that we did it uh, to that extent. You get someone every now and then that would uh, basically tell you you're infringing on their rights somehow. Um, you know, is this Douglas County, by the way? I was gonna say, this is Douglas <laughs> County. <laughs> where you are. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you you try to brush that off, and you know you realize you're always gonna have that. Someone's always gonna excuse me. Someone's always gonna have a an opinion. That's uh, cheers, by the way. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Sorry, Salud. that's delicious. Yeah, thank after, you. After my after my drive down. <laughs> There's nothing better than 32 degree beer. Santa Fe and C470 both, man. I was like, yeah, beer is gonna taste good after this. Nice, nice. Backed up? No, just people just acting like assholes on the road, and you know, nobody's driving anymore, so nobody's used to it. It's good to hear, Jerry, that yeah. um, nine out of ten are cooperating without giving you shit, because I mean, one usually gets all the attention. I mean, we could do a whole another podcast for social media, uh, but yeah. basically. Uh, people wouldn't you know directly tell us to our face why are you doing this they'd, they'd come in they'd comply with all our rules they'd sit down and have a beer walk out go home and then and then trash us you know what what good does that do you know yeah it doesn't actually open up any kind of conversation right it just makes people cranky so, so uh, it's uh it's it's tough i i get it it's everyone's out of their comfort zone and this is such a major disruption but you know, we're all in this together. We got to fi- we got to figure this out. And so far, we suck at this. Oh as man, a it's getting worse and worse, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, it's it's unique to us in the United States to have to wear a mask, right? But Asian countries have been doing it since SARS, right? So Correct. Like That's SARS true. 
And it's just a normal way of being. You just put your mask on. And, right. you know, as globalization continues and as we are able to travel the world rather easily and cheaply, you kind of have to expect this is going to be not common, but definitely not something we should be surprised at the way we right. are now. Yeah, I, uh, just a level of cooperation to solve a common problem seems you know seems very normal to other countries especially if you've gone through something but here we just kind of have a i think i heard it today as um uh, what is it uh an american american entitlement we have some sort of entitlement to be told not of what not to do you know you can't tell me what to do it's so frustrating yeah for sure. it's insane yeah well we are five minutes into this so how about you introduce yourself and tell us where we are okay we've, yeah we've already alluded that we're in douglas county yeah so, yeah. so people are like where are they <laughs> there, there's there's, a, there's only out. a couple of good spots down here yeah, that you can go sure. for a good beer well my name is uh, jerry sayote uh i'm one of the co-owners of lone tree brewing company you're here at lone tree right now we've been around about nine years uh i also serve as director of brewing operations uh, with my partner John Winter, he's our main owner and, and CEO, and uh, John and I have known each other for a very long time, uh, come from different backgrounds. John was a, a pilot and a, a leader of all the, the training centers for United for uh, decades, um, and I come from the financial world of investment banking at a number of firms in Denver. and. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, sorry about that, boys. You're good. Tell oh, us yeah. Hey, the, the rest of us are working too. So yeah. <laughs> if you if you see one or the other of us checking phones, we're all married, by the way, too. So what's the, the uh, interruptions are easy. No problem. Yeah, for sure. And with kids, what's the uh, what's the address? Uh, we're at eighty two hundred Park Meadows Drive in Lone Tree, eight zero one two four, and uh, yeah, we've been around. We'll be celebrating our ninth uh, ninth year anniversary uh, this this December. So we're we're very fortunate. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like we're one of the dinosaurs down here now. We've been around a little longer and um, it's changed a lot. But, uh, you know, it's nice to see new breweries coming in and out. And we want everyone to do well, especially right now. Felt good coming in, too. The old Explorer knew, knew the way. It had been a while, but uh, I didn't even have to think about it. Just set it on autopilot. Nice, nice. Yeah. So Glad to have you back. Yeah, it feels good to be back. It feels good to be out in public, frankly. <laughs> sure right just any change of the monotony of, of our get out of the lives. basement it's good to put on pants that have a button yeah. you know, it's, it's i did work rare. in boxer shorts and nothing else for a solid 90 oh minutes this morning God. so I mean, it's put your makeup on do do your hair finally and yeah. you yes. know yes uh okay so um you alluded to it uh a little bit of the background but i would say that lone tree brewing company is probably one of the more successful regional breweries, obviously, that we have in town. How do two guys without a brewing background get together and open a brewery? Well, I'd love to have something a little sexier than the the same old can response of, you know, started homebrewing in the garage and uh -huh. realized we could do this and uh, loved it so much that uh, the timing worked out very well for John in his, at his point uh, in his career, having uh, retired from United. He was at a small startup uh, out in Seattle selling uh, navigation equipment to airlines. And I was kind of, I was into my eighth year in the banking business, which, which were good years. I just knew uh, I wasn't going to do that forever. And uh, the timing that worked out where the two of us, you know, were here um, 
John actually started um, Lone Tree in 2011. Uh, I came into it about two years later. Um, so I was still at the banks at the time, and um, we decided, you know, uh, when I came in that the way we were going to stay successful is to basically just keep serving the people of Lone Tree and Douglas County um, because it was a very underserved, you know, spot at the time. So what was around? Nothing. I don't think anything. <laughs> okay. Nothing. Um, okay. I can I can I can attest all. to this. I and and I worked down here for quite a while before somebody was like, oh, Lone Tree Brewing, right. and I'd never heard of it and. Came in for a quick work happy hour one day, and I think I was in at least once a week after that for the time that I spent working, working out here. I was at I-25 in Lincoln, and um, I swear to God, that I don't think there was any kind of brewery out here at the time that I started coming out here, and you guys probably know better than I do. but Yeah, I think that was the appeal. I mean, I remember brewing in John's garage in Parker, and um, you know, when he told me the location he wanted to get it going, uh, out here in here in Lone Tree, I said, I think you're, I think you're crazy. Like, why the hell, why the hell are you gonna do it out there? He goes, Well, there's, n- there's nothing out there yet. Yeah. You know, uh, rental rates for this amount of space was pretty cheap, and uh, or reasonable, I should say. And, it's a uh, better word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not cheap, just reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, compared to if you know you're in Rhino somewhere, and it could be three or four times as much. Um, so, business plans are tough. I mean, they, um, you, you do the best. Uh, research you can and homework and uh, turned out to be a pretty genius move because uh, the the community was very receptive to it. Yeah, it needed it, I would say. And yeah. I, I don't live down here, but I worked down here for a long time. Um, the other thing, too, that I would point out, and maybe this is hopefully not lost on you guys, but it reminds me a lot of the old school craft breweries that started in, in the Denver area that, that aren't on main street broadway high yep. visibility intersections um you guys are in a industrial flex type space kind of off the beaten path mm-hmm. and back in the day man i remember it was kind of always about the hunt right going going to find these breweries right yeah. opening up the, the garage doors and sitting in the parking lot that was that was what yeah. the tasting room was and i this feels very much like the early early days of craft beer in denver to me yeah no i i think that's that's pretty accurate we uh we still have, you know, people at festivals when we, when, you know, we're at festivals. We're not this year. Uh, yeah, what's a festival? I know. That's, I, mi- I kind of miss it, you know. We, we take that, we take that take shit it for, for granted. granted. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the end, we're all just beer lovers, and it's work. Festivals are work for us, but still, yeah, I miss them. But, you know, sometimes at festivals, someone will come, come up to our booth, have our beer. They go, where are you guys? Where's Lone Tree? Like, you know, you give them the cross streets, and they go, Okay, and you go. It's by the lumber <laughs> liquidators and the furniture row. They go. Oh, I was yeah, gonna say, yeah, yeah, totally. If you've never been here, but you're driving one direction or the other on C470, and you see the furniture row, you're so close you can taste the beer, guys. Just pull off the highway. Yeah, you could see the silos sitting out back too. Oh, yeah, From so. C470, can you? I th- yeah, I think so. Huh. Yeah, just on the other side by the mall too. You I'll can have see to. It. 
Just, uh, just, it's got its head poking just out. A, there. Just a quick glance, because yeah. yeah, being on that highway scares me these days. But yeah, what was um, the intent when you when you opened up? Uh, sorry, Jay, no. to cut you off. I just wanted to yeah, go. Make sure I didn't forget. No, this. yeah. Was it was it to become what you have become? Which again is you know there are a lot of store shelves that have Lone Tree Brewing, or was it more just this kind of place where folks could go and you know have a uh, have a pint over the bar? I think it was uh, an experiment. It was a combination of everything. Let's just see how it goes. I think we were very fortunate to be able to uh, lease this amount, uh, this amount of space compared to a lot of breweries just starting out. Uh, we had a lot of excess capacity in terms of uh, where to bring in new fermenters, uh, serving tanks, cooler space, and then eventually we got our hands on two additional units. One we're sitting in right now um, was, a, was a totally separate business that moved out and we ended up subleasing from them for a while. So I think the goal in the beginning was let's let's put out some really good core beers. Let's get people in. Uh, let's see what works, what doesn't, and uh, keep everything consistent. Give a broad range of styles. Not really pigeonhole ourselves into one particular style, one particular theme, um, which I always thought uh, was kind of a, a not kind of a downfall or kind of hindered us in the beginning. What is Lone Tree known for? Well, really we're not known for anything in particular, but we do everything pretty well, I right. think. Right. Um, I mean, that has to be, I'm, I'm trying to think of, of you know, sister breweries, maybe not at that time, but that, you know, come to mind. Yeah. Um, a Dry Dock, maybe Dry Dock. A, a Denver Beer Co. I mean, Dry Dock, yes, they do have that apricot blonde, but I mean, when I drink Dry Dock, it's not that beer, right? It's they have a selection of beers that you can find. Same thing with, um, you know, Princess Yum Yum at Denver Beer Co. Is their, you know, known beer or maybe their their graham cracker flashy porter. or sexy? Yeah. But at a grocery store or a uh, uh, liquor store, you're going to see all of those options out there. And I think the same way with Lone Tree for sure. Yeah, and I think, I think you have to be flexible when you start something like this, and um, the way the way you're capitalized, the way you finance uh, things in the beginning is is incredibly important can either give you a very uh a very good head start or a very good trajectory uh for the next two or three years versus if you're you know if you're tapped out and you're having you know to borrow money and 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 talk to other people and try to get more banks to finance you uh really really early on that that influences a lot of your future decisions and if sam i love talking to brewers that are former bankers yeah. yeah i i myself am a banker i work in the business space oh as, cool yeah so it's always interesting to to get the perspective and, yeah. and between you and john it sounds like you guys were maybe a little bit more organized and prepared than your average brewery startup back in 11 12 13 yeah i think uh, you know uh, just the way just the way we live our lives too you know we're uh you know i I kind of started out in the professional world in 2008, 2009. Oh, right and in the middle of the yeah, recession. Yeah, right in the middle of the awesome. recession. Yeah. So I knew what it was like to get laid off uh, yeah. and have to scramble, you know, with a, with a new mortgage and you're trying to start your life out and, you know, never again do I want to get that, you know, paycheck to paycheck close, you know, and my, uh, my bank <laughs> failed, was failed by the FDIC. Okay. 36 hours after I bought my first house. Oh, man. So I, I'm with you, man. That's a scrap. You got to get scrappy. Scared you know, you the gotta, shit out yeah. of me. Yeah. Yeah. But I can I can feel your pain. Um, 
Speaking of financing and investing and planning, one of the things that Lone Tree, at least for me, um, is known for, you guys were canning, it seems like way ahead of the game. Yeah, we, uh, I think we started, uh, started about three years into it and we bought a three-headed semi, semi-automatic uh, canning line, call it a SAMS, uh, from Cask uh, Brewing Systems out of Canada. They're out of Calgary. And, um, you know, we decided, let's see how this goes. It was, it was, at the time, it was a big investment for us and very, you know, took a long time to, you know, it took all day to get about 130 cases. Um, but it got our name out there, got our cans out there, um, and then allowed us to make the further leap uh, when we bought the new brew house, uh, the bigger fermenters. We bought the fully automated canning line from Cast, the five-headed line that's running right behind us here. Uh, that allowed us to know a little bit about that market and that world, which uh, can be a giant pain in the ass, is a constant pain in the ass, but is, is totally worth it for us and to get our beer out there. Um, we're very fortunate to still have shelf space, you know, and our sales guys do a tremendous job in, in getting us out there and keeping us at eye level in liquor stores and, and restaurants and everything. Were you guys self-distributing back then? We or? were, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had a John's old 1997 uh, Ford Expedition, called it the Red Sled. The things, Perfect. Of, things about dead now, it's got about 260,000 miles. But we would load that. It, it could hold about nine half barrel kegs, <laughs> and you know, if you were the brewer, if you weren't the brewer that day, you'd come fill your kegs, you load those things up, and you drive around to four or five zip codes and and physically drop off cans and kegs. And uh, wasn't great. Um, wasn't maybe the best use of labor and time, but we did it uh, until we got on with the distributor. Uh, now they handle all of it. So. Nice. Everybody needs a write-off too, right? Like oh, John was looking for a reason to. <laughs> I don't know how that thing's still running. You could dig out an old Bruce Hornsby CD underneath the seat pocket, you know, and you, yeah, you, you don't ever want to go digging around in somebody else's car <laughs> that's been turned into a work vehicle. I that's found some pretty good sunglasses in there. Some old Pilot aviators; they were great. <laughs> oh my! I still, I'm not you, giving them back. I was going to say you might be dating John a little bit, but that's all right. So, <laughs> at what point and what kind of conversations were you having? Um, to kind of expand, uh, to, to go from just this spot to trying to get in more liquor stores and then to begin kind of circulating and selling those kegs and stuff. What kind of, how were those conversations? What did they go like? Well, I think we were, uh, we, we did pretty well in terms of stabilizing ourselves financially, uh, paying for new fermenters, uh, new serving tanks, new equipment, uh, with cash flow, And we felt like we were in, Going back to the financial condition, we were in a place where we could uh, approach our bank and say, "Here's what we're thinking of doing." Um, they were very, you know, very eager to help us and and you know, uh, finance us through that expansion. But it's always a risk. There's there's never there's never a perfect matrix that you could fill out that says now it's time to expand. But we felt like uh, if we waited too long, uh, that we would miss an opportunity to to further cement ourselves as a you know a south metro denver brewery that has you know a very sophisticated um product line so there, it's not easy I, I i can't i guess i can't really peg it to any one conversation or set of conversations but uh we were we felt comfortable 
that the beers were solid. We had good practices. We had good brewing techniques. Um, and I'm always proud when uh, an Irish red or a Mexican lager tastes exactly as it did 35 batches ago. Some people would call that boring. I, I, I get off on stuff like that. Irish red is what got me hooked. Yeah. Acres, Acres Green, right? Is that what it's called? We, we've, we've renamed it Red oh, Ale. Um, See, yeah, that's I still long, call it Irish that's Red. That's how long I, it's yeah. been. Acres Green is one of the roads that runs through this hood, though, right? Yeah, it's just right over here. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough. I mean, we, we've argued over it. We've uh, uh, cried about it some days, you know, and um, it's, it's a leap of faith. And when you, when you get into a 12-ounce can, it's, it's an entirely different world, and there's really no going back um, from a quality uh, point of view. The amount of equipment to test dissolved oxygen, um, testing seams. Uh, we had a, a bout of some leaky seams this year that I still have nightmares over. You know, so you got to commit. Yeah, for yep. sure. Do you think that now, not to jump ahead too far, too many years, but um, it seems a little bit uh, fortunate that you're canning this stuff and you're not just one of those breweries that's selling beer over the bar. Are you, in your opinion, more prepared to weather this storm that is COVID-19 because of distribution? I, th I think so. Um, and this year has been an example where, of course, the best, you know, your, your bread and butter is, is pints across the bar. And not only from just having people come, come directly to where you produce something, uh, but from the fact that uh, the, you know, you have very good margins inside the tasting room. Uh, we're able to have events. We're able to do our Oktoberfest, our zombie day. And of course, that's, that's kind of what keeps the lights on. However, once you start expanding into distribution and you start pumping more barrelage out the back door, um, you, you know, you're also a little bit more diversified too. And to your point, when when things did shut down, we we basically lost all of our keg accounts because no one was open. So what I thought was amazing to watch was all of those draft accounts and all that keg beer, all that volume immediately migrated to the can. And our distributor uh, is, has a very sophisticated network along with our sales guys that they were able to basically replace all of that lost volume into cans really all yes. of it yeah wow almost all of it and that's, that's insane that's yes pretty good yeah there. you guys wow. can't bitch about that oh i i can't i don't know what our canning volume is year over year but it's got to be up 40 or 50 percent wow so we yeah we're extreme extremely thankful yeah extremely thankful so you know that's that's allowed us to not have to we didn't have to lay off anybody we've you know for about a month we furloughed some hours um uh, about 25% of our salaried employees we did f for a couple pay periods, and that was it. But we haven't had to lay off anybody, uh, kept all the benefits, health insurance. Um, never once have John and I figured out where the next check's going to come from to buy grain or hops. We've, we've had it. So I think the long answer is yes. Because of packaging, we, we were in a much better position this year. Is it a brewery like you? like DBC, like Dry Dock, that, and you can be as frank or as not frank as you want, 
makes it out of this. And I mean, do Colorado craft breweries look like Lone Tree Brewing Company in five years in the sense that we're probably not going to see a lot of, you know, the smaller folks down on Rhino. Yeah, that's, fuck, that's a, that's a hard one. I know, um, I know. You know, uh, I think Bart Watson at uh, the BA, you know, came out with that stat that it, it could be anywhere from 40 to 50% of, of a lot of breweries uh, of the landscape may, may not be around after this, depending on how long it goes. Um, and I don't know, it's, you have to be resilient. You have to, you have to find alternative ways to get beer out of the tank, keep people engaged. And I, I don't want to see anybody fail. I really don't. I know that's just the nature of the business cycle um, in, in normal times, but there's, there's only so much shelf space. There's only so many spots in a cooler at a liquor store or at a grocery, uh, grocery store um, for you to get your product out there. And um, timing is everything. So, hell, I don't know. I, uh, I know Lone Tree is going to be around for the foreseeable future. We've, uh, we were able to stress test, you know, uh, this brewery this year and uh, I'm feeling very good about it and the problem and you might not you might you know attest to this too is these aren't public companies you don't know how people are really doing unless you sit down and have a beer with one of the owners and say how are you really doing like are you are you making payroll right now yeah um, it's pretty direct questions and answers that have to be made yeah uh, in order to a few beers in too. Fuck yeah! You know what? You, gotta, you, gotta you, can, tell, you can tell. You I think you up. can tell when a when a business owner or a CEO or CFO is giving you the runaround, right? I mean, talked to a guy yesterday. Yeah. In March, shit was horrible. April, he reopened a little bit because he was a, considered an essential business, and by May, he was having the best numbers he'd ever had. He's not a brewer. But yeah. talking to this guy, I could tell business was moving the way it was supposed to. And I, I mean, literally had this conversation yesterday. Other people, you talk to them on the phone, talk to them two or three times a week. Oh, yeah, things are going fine. What, what can you do for me this week to help? Well, those are the businesses you got to worry about. So, and, and I don't know, brewing, hospitality, food. Those are the ones that if you're if you're the banker or if you're the the landlord, you got to keep your finger on the pulse a whole lot better than you do say the guy making face masks or hand sanitizer or right. doing construction in the middle of all this. So it's it's a whole new world for sure. Um, what impact has your investment banking background had on the success that you have had, but also hopefully continued through this? I mean, I would assume that your perspective is is pretty informed by by numbers and very uh, uh, solid ways of making calculations and you know, stress testing and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, you know, every everything is just about scale. Um, you know, we make a product that is basically made the same way in any brewery all over the world. It's just a matter of scale, and um, the way I try to think about it is every day I I want to be able to optimize what we do back there. Uh, because we are a small business, we're a small brewery. We can't, we can't afford to waste. Um, and what I kind of took from my experience in banking is, um, you know, how do I, how do I map this out in an Excel spreadsheet to where I know tomorrow, 
myself or one of the other brewers has to brew a, a Mexican lager instead of a double IPA or instead of a red, um, I want to see it uh, on a on a line graph that tells me here's how you make the best decision with all the information you have at the, at the current uh, moment. And, you know, there's a lot of great brewers that are have award-winning recipes that are world-renowned, but just they don't they don't have the business sense to project hop hop contracts at five years, wow. which is you know we, we don't know any brewers like that that uh, make a good beer but can't focus long enough to run the business. No, no, no. They never, <laughs> no, never, never, met, never met, any never any met a couple of those no, guys. No. I can tell you too right now, Sam. This is probably not a shock to anybody that knows me or any of our listeners, but Jerry is probably still a better business banker than I am currently because he was smart enough to get in probably made some good dough and then he pulled out because he probably realized the job fucking sucks there's 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 a pros and cons to everything there's a cost to everything right sure sure and sure. uh yeah I, I I was very fortunate I I still love that area I you know and it's John entertaining and I talk, it's interesting right yeah I mean uh I think it's Elon Musk you know he asked himself a long time ago if he wants to change the world, he has to know a little something about physics and he has to know a lot about business. And I think it's treated him okay up to this point. He's doing all right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we got to worry about the naming choices for his future kids, but beyond that, uh, true, true. That's just, that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but no, it's, um, it's, I I enjoyed what I did. John enjoyed what he did, and we have people from all different kind of backgrounds. And you you bring whatever skill set you have to make the business better every day. And we're, we've been very fortunate in that that respect. And you know, um, doesn't matter the, what what you take in a pay cut or how much financial exposure you have of opening a business. You do it because because you know you think you know what you're doing, um, but sometimes you don't, and you. Uh, you make the best uh, best guess you can with all the information you have. A couple of smart owners here. What do you guys – I know that now is probably as bad a time as any to predict something, but what do you guys see on the future horizon for Lone Tree? I mean, is it a second location? Is it larger-scale distribution outside of your market or outside of the state? Um, is it uh, – shit, I don't know. <laughs> Taking over – Another space in a different part of Lone Tree? You know, it's... Do we need another beer to have this conversation? Uh, sure. Yeah. (laughs) My kid doesn't get up from a nap till three. I I just meant sometimes I can see the look. (laughs) You start to see the wheels turning, the the pregnant pause. There's stuff uh, spinning in there. Spinning in there. You know, how do I... uh, How do I make the the most uh, sometimes PC answer, but at the same time be be very real with what I'm thinking, which sometimes feels like it's two monkeys, you know, clanging, clanging yeah. pots and pans together up there. Um, I mean, it's a good question, though, because, again, those breweries that we have brought up that are sister breweries to this spot, they now have more than one location, too. So that kind of makes Oh, sense. now you're just giving him a yeah, hard time. Yeah, that was yeah. just a fucked no, up. No, no, I that was just a fucked ask. up challenge. You know, uh, I'll be real honest. We have a we have a great relationship with Dry Dock. You know, John and Kevin have known each other for a long time, and Kevin's a great guy, and Michelle uh, over there too. And uh, you know, the two of them have given us a lot of uh, direction 
and guidance as to how they went about it. Uh, I remember John and I going into the original uh, South Dock before they had expanded and, you know, had the popcorn machine in the back and we're still <laughs> brewing on the tiny system. And uh, we just thought it was so cool that you could go in and have a beer uh, that they made there and then buy a couple ball valves for your own homebrew yeah. equipment. Yeah. <laughs> it was the coolest thing in the world. Still is cool. And, you know, we've taken a lot of uh, guidance from them and they've been extremely helpful in, as to how you go about, you know, structuring your your portfolio of beers and how you get into packaging. And um, I think, unfortunately, you're going to see a lot of breweries and you've already started to see it either exit packaging altogether um, or get out of distribution in other markets. And you would hope when we get out of this, whenever that is, that there's some opportunity for uh, getting new space at a reasonable cost or getting uh, used equipment um, at pennies on the dollar. Um, you That's know. actually not something I've thought about or I don't think we've heard about it, but space I, is, space is going to yeah. be easy to come by, right. but, but equipment probably going to be, there's going to be a, an abundance of that as well, it sounds like. I never yeah, even, I think that's what keeps John and I up at night is when, when and how do we make that leap if we choose to do that because we've always said we're we're always going to do this in the under the under the scenario that we have a great product and it will be or it has a high likelihood of being accepted on a larger scale um and i think we have the recipes we have the knowledge uh we don't know everything but if we can find ourselves in a position to buy something very economically whether that's equipment space um i would say Geez, I used to think that 12 to 18 months was kind of a good time frame to think about something like this, a bigger expansion, but who the hell knows now? Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't gotten past this one yet. Right, right. We've been in it, we've been in it almost six months, right? And it's still unprecedented. Uh, the thing about Lone Tree, though, that, I mean, if you think about it hyper-local, Lone Tree's a, a community, and it's a beer, and it's a brand, um, but I think that you guys struck on something, whether it was intentional or not, that a name like Lone Tree, outside of South Metro Denver, outside of Douglas County, is not necessarily tied to a community. So you guys no. really do have the ability to expand with a Colorado brand outside of this corner of the city and probably still experience a lot of success. You would, you would hope, yeah. I mean, um, that's always the goal. But, you know, as operations manager i'm constantly uh vexed by you know how do we how do we keep quality you know how do we uh i don't ever want to sacrifice quality for the sake of expansion i don't think anybody does but things happen when you get bigger and you you have more demands on your your staff you have more um demands on your equipment things break here every single day and you you have to be able to have the right people to want to be able to fix that while never compromising what the beer should taste like. That's, that's the toughest nut to crack, I think. And I, like I said, I didn't have a formal background in this coming, coming out of what I used to do. And you kind of, if you're hungry enough, you can learn things pretty quickly on the go. And that's kind of where we're at. So to take that next leap feels a little scary and maybe I'm a pessimist by nature, but 
the quality has to be the same. Like I, I can't, it would be so like damaging for me to hear from one of our regulars. You know, I went to some liquor store, I picked up your beer and it just, just didn't taste good. Didn't taste like it does in the tap room. Like that would, that would, that would crush me. So you have to balance that, um, as best you can. So that's, 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 that's bare minimum quality has to be perfect. It's not an apples to apples comparison in my mind, but I mean, the moment Breckenridge sold to AB and started outsourcing some of their marquees like Avalanche. People thought I was crazy, but I could taste the difference of something that was brewed in the brewery, something that was brewed in Fort Collins or St. Louis or wherever. So So many factors. Yeah. yeah. There's water quality issues. There's supply chain issues, you know, um, and we've been lucky that we're, we're pretty close to Brewer Supply Group up there, um, you know, off I-70 and Central Park Boulevard that we can literally just drive our box truck up there and get grains from all over the world. But if you're a remote, you know, mountain town and it may take you a, a day to get some of those grains that you absolutely need for your flagship beer, what if you, you know, what if you want to sub something, some one one bag of uh, specialty malt for another one and see how it goes. Like I, I, we can't afford to do that. We, we have to be consistent every time we do it. I mean, when I was going to school up in Boulder, I remember what a fat tire used to taste like when I was 21. Yeah. yeah. And uh, whether you remember it differently back then uh, or you've, you've tricked yourself into thinking what it should, should have been like back then versus what it is now. I don't know. The mind can play tricks on you, but uh, I see what you're saying. Like some people can notice it, but I don't know. It's kind of subjective sometimes. What do you think this does? And by this, I obviously mean the COVID-19 shutdown, but also uh, the impact it's had on society. Um, but in particular, our industry here, are we going to see changes in, in tastes and in styles in expectations for quality? I mean, you're the you're the one who who is obviously pretty good at forecasting. So I'm asking you to play a little Nostradamus here. What what do you predict happening? You know, I everything kind of tends to happen in cycles, and beer is a very simple, you know, uh, product. It's a very simple food product, yeah. and uh, you most of the time brewers uh, tend to like very simple styles. Uh, from from what I've seen, uh, that's not to say that we don't enjoy making all different kinds of beers: kettle sours, uh, funky, bio transformed, you know, IPAs, uh, zero boil, uh, hop IPAs, stuff like that. Um, but we, I th- I think things will will probably come back a little bit and normalize around simpler styles, things things that made craft famous, you know. Simple Cascade Centennial West Coast style IPAs, uh, East Coast style IPAs are cool too. Not not my particular cup of tea, but you know people love them. And simple Mexican lagers or yeah. pale ales or multi reds. You know what 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 put you on the map? What made you famous? And I hope people tend to come back to that and and appreciate something for its simplicity. And um, we'll always do what our customers uh, demand, basically. That's how you stay in business. And at the end of the day, we're a, we're a business. 
But from my point of view, I think, and a lot of it's supply chain um, dictated too. If farmers want to pull back on, you know, very funky hops that, you know, are expensive, hard to, hard to grow, um, disease prone, and want to just get back to some very core styles and varieties of hops, that's going to dictate what brewers make. Same with barley production. Um, and so you got, we got to take care of the farmers because they take care of all of us. And, uh, the more we can help them project what we really think we'll make in four or five years, the better off we all will be. Smart dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stop it. No, no, no. I mean, it's, you know, who, again, a Charlie Berger, right. Or a Kevin over at dry dock, you all speak the same language and it's different. I think than a lot of our other friends out there, that's not a diss on them or a knock on them. It's just, it's a different approach to doing this thing. And so you can just tell for sure. Yeah. There's, there's a beer first approach or there's a business first approach. And I think, there's a, a solid way to blend those two. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are, and, and do it responsibly. And I think that's what we're seeing here. That's what it feels like to me. For All sure. right. Well, we appreciate that. We've, we work hard. We, uh, we give a shit. And I think that's, um, it, it can, it can get in your way sometimes, yeah. uh, it can get in the way of convenience and, uh, maybe making another, however, X many barrels a year. Um, or it can, it can hurt you in the long run, and I, d- I don't want to look back and say we could have we could have avoided this. And I, we, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, th- I think, uh, I think you just found your new tagline, Lone Tree Brewing. We give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Like, I, I, and I would now. wear that shirt. <laughs> I would wear that shirt every day. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's not easy, uh, but you know, it's it's worth it, and. Uh, I like I like seeing something that's produced and uh, consumed and somebody telling you that you did a good job doing it. And uh, that was rare in the investment banking world. It was. Yeah, you're only as good as what you did for me tomorrow. Right. That makes total sense. Uh, what are you doing for, are you getting food trucks? I know you said that before, you know, at the very beginning, but in terms of keeping the, the tap room open and everything, can you do food trucks? And, and yes. Okay. Yes. So we're, we're still doing food trucks seven days a week. It's. Uh, my tasting manager is sitting right over there in the corner, probably dealing with the schedule of food trucks right now. Um, but we, we've had food trucks, you know, since day one. And um, it's, a, it's a great relationship because we do not produce food here. Um, it benefits them, benefits us. And we'll continue to do that. Um, you know, local restaurants deliver here too. And um, yeah, I think we, John and I at the moment are sticking to what we know right now, which is making beer, and serving beer. What, what's coming up big? I know um, timing-wise this may not make it into the episode, but um, we've got Colorado Pint Day coming up, and I saw the poster yep. in, the, in the brewery mm-hmm. here. Um, you guys are obviously partnering with the Brewers Guild for that. What else do you have on the horizon just from, uh, you know, there's, it's tough to look for bright spots on our calendars anymore, but uh, uh, yeah. what do you guys have out there? So, you know, obviously, um, our tasting manager and I, we've spoken at length about do we schedule any events this year at all? And so far, we've, you know, we haven't put anything solid on the books in terms of uh, festivals uh, or markets. We do, like, summer and fall markets where we're bringing a bunch of vendors 
they set up their tents out there and that's something like that right now is just not even really feasible um you know we have the traditional oktoberfest party we have our uh one day only uh release of hop zombie it's our imperial red ipa that we do every year that's a one day uh one day beer we sell out of all of it that that day and um i you know being being open now at really only 25 percent capacity it's hard it's hard to uh plan anything and invest in any you know bands or um a lot of you know time and effort when you when you can't really have that many people here so gbf i mean geez i've been going to gbf since i was old enough to go and to not go this year is gonna it's gonna suck where was the gbf the first year you went it was uh it was at the convention center okay yeah I'm one of the few people, I guess, that I talk to that remembers going once or twice to Repo Community College. Oh, really? Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Is that it there? The, maybe shit. it was the first year that I went, yeah, and it was it was yeah. bizarre back then. So it was like, yeah, it's, I don't know, like 20, 25 guys maybe. It wasn't, wow. yeah, it was weird. That's, that's crazy for sure. Yeah. Um, any closing remarks, closing comments? I mean, it was obviously been a joy talking to you, but we want to make sure you cover. We cover all the bases for you too. No, this is this is fun for me, guys. I really appreciate you coming. Um, I wish I could do it more. Uh, we get too bogged down and too busy to really sit back and, and talk about things like this. Um, what I'm very fortunate that we're able to be this busy. I I know it's going to sound like a stupid ass cliche, but I, I really do want every brewery to do very well and yeah. yeah they're competitors but we all do better when everyone drinks beer and uh the the customers uh appreciate having all this style and it's gonna suck to, to see some people not be here next year or or this year so just keep doing what you're doing don't you know don't stress out about what 12 months is going to look like just try to figure out what's going to happen tomorrow that's kind of where we're at you can only control so many things and you'll drive yourself batshit crazy if you try to do more. So For sure, for sure. Jerry Sayote, we give a shit. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Perfect. Nailed you get, it. You uh, get the first t-shirt. Okay. <laughs> Jerry. I tr- whatever, I trademarked that already. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you put, we unfiltered, we give a shit. Yeah. Maybe. Um, Jerry, thank you so much. We'll do one of these air cheers, yeah. right? Cheers. Um, boys. Yep, thanks for coming uh, in. Tasty Mexican lager. That was Ah uh, man, I, the mine was mine didn't last very long. No, it was ice cold. Uh, Lone Tree Brewing Company, thank you so much, Jerry. Really appreciate it, and best of luck as we move forward in this. Thank you, boys. Take care of yourselves. Thank you. Thank you.